Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. Andrew brought good news to me. I could understand the Bible more the way he taught it. Jesus forgave you one time, and that's for everything. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach on a subject I've entitled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. This is an old teaching. This is the very first teaching I ever put out. At that time, it was just called Grace and Faith, and this is an edited version, but it's the very first teaching that I ever put out in book form is Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. And I tell you, this is something that has just revolutionized my life. You know, my background, many of you have heard me uh, share some of this, but let me uh, use it to illustrate this point that I'm making. I was born again when I was eight years old, and I really loved God, and I started trying to serve God. And what I was told was that God would love me and respond to me based on my holiness. Now, it wasn't said maybe in those words, but that's the thought that I got, and I am not alone in that thinking. I think that this is what the majority of Christians believe, is that God moves in our life proportional to how holy we are, whether we're worthy or not. I've had that expressed to me by other people thousands and thousands of times. And so this is exactly what I believed. And from the time I was eight years old, I have sought God and I have wanted to see the power of God. I remember my dad died when I had just turned 12 years old. He was sick during the time I was 11, and right after my 12th birthday, he died, and I prayed and fasted as an 11-year-old, asking God to heal my dad, and when I didn't see my dad healed, instead he died, the, the pastor of the church told me that God needed him in heaven more than I needed him, and I interpreted all of this that I just wasn't holy enough. I wasn't good enough. And I mean, I began to seek God and try and earn His favor. And relative to other people, relative to my friends, relative to the pastor, of the, I know some of you are going to think I'm exaggerating, but I mean, I lived a holier life than the pastor, than anybody I knew. I spent more time studying the Word I've never said a word of profanity in my life. I've never taken a drink of liquor. I've never smoked a cigarette. I have lived a super holy life. I was living better than anybody I knew, but my faith was in my goodness. And then on March the 23rd, 1968, God showed up, and when He revealed His holiness and His goodness to me, well, then all of my self-righteousness, all of my good works were like filthy rags compared to Him. That's a scripture, I believe, out of Isaiah chapter 64. And I just saw that relative to God's holiness, which is the only holiness that, is, that counts, you know, in Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It didn't say all have sinned and come short of the Methodist or the Baptist or the Episcopal standards. No, it's short of the glory of God, which is Jesus. Jesus is the glory of God. Unless you are as good as Jesus, then you are found wanting and you are not sufficient to be able to receive from God. 
we've all sinned and come short of that perfect standard of holiness that Jesus brought us. And when I saw the glory of God and the holiness of God, I saw my relative unworthiness. And I mean, I repented in sackcloth and ashes. Man, I turned from my self-righteousness and I just threw myself on the mercy of God and called out for mercy. And what changed my life was that I had this thought that God loved me proportional to my goodness. And for the first time in my life, I saw that my goodness was not sufficient. I saw that I, at my very best, still deserve to go to hell. And I know that there's people watching this program right now that think, well, no, that's not true. Yes, it is true. If you look at God's standard, if you compare yourself to Jesus, compared to other people. See, people who are legalists, people who are preaching performance, they will always compare themselves with other people. And yet the Bible says that they comparing themselves among themselves and measuring themselves by themselves are not wise. It is not wise. Other people aren't your standard. I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, if those hypocrites down there at church make it, well, then I'm going to make it. The thing that's wrong with that reasoning is that the hypocrites at church aren't going to make it. You aren't supposed to be comparing yourself with religious people, hypocrites, good, bad, whatever. You are supposed to look at the perfect standard that God intended for man to live by. It's reflected in the life of Jesus. He was without sin. He was perfect. And if you are short of Jesus then you cannot relate to God on your own performance. You have to have a Savior. You have to humble yourself and receive everything as a gift. And see, when I finally saw the glory of God and I humbled myself and I threw myself on the mercy of God, all of this love, I mean supernatural love and acceptance flowed through me. I could spend the rest of this week talking about how that affected me. I just... I'm just wanting to use this to illustrate and move on to some other things here. But when I experienced this love of God, it was wonderful. It instantly transformed my life. Instantly, nothing else was going to satisfy me except living with God and serving God. So instantly, my whole life was changed, but it ruined my theology because I had been taught for over 10 years that God loved me proportional to my performance. And it was when I was at my worst, when I finally realized how ungodly and unholy I was, that I experienced the love of God. And it just totally destroyed my theology. And I didn't know how to relate to the Lord. And it took me four or five years to get my equilibrium back and to get into the Word of God and begin to figure out why it is that God loves me. And I finally began to realize that God loves me because He is love and not because I am lovely. That it is totally by grace. But does that mean that I have nothing to do with it? No, God by grace loves me. But I have to believe and receive this love or I can doubt and do without. It's totally up to me. God likewise loves every person watching this program. I can guarantee you God is passionate about you much, much, much more than you could ever dream or think of. Some people are thinking, oh, could this be possible? And you are so excited about it. Other people are just out and out rejecting it because of a religious tradition that says, no, I'm unworthy. God's not passionate about me. But I'm telling you, He is. 
God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. You can't make God love you more and you cannot make God love you less. But you can respond in doubt and say, no, I just can't believe that God loves me. I can't believe that God will use me. I can't believe that God would just answer my prayer. I don't believe that I have this power and authority. And if you don't believe it, it doesn't change God's attitude towards you, but it will keep you from receiving the benefits because God flows through you according to the power that works in you. Ephesians 3.20. We ended our program with that yesterday. Let me give you a passage of Scripture here where the Apostle Paul is speaking and he had just talked about the resurrection and that he, had, he was the last one to see the resurrected Christ. And then he says in verse 8, 1 Corinthians 15, 8, And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So Paul here is just acknowledging that he didn't deserve being called to be an apostle. He deserved to be killed. He deserved wrath and punishment for, for persecuting the disciples of the Lord Jesus and even hauling people to jail and even some he witnessed against them and consented to their death. And so Paul is saying, I'm not worthy to be an apostle. But in verse 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. In other words, it was not based on his performance. Paul knew that God loved him because God was loved, not because Paul was lovely. That's exactly the same point that I was making. God revealed this to me. And he goes on and he says, And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Now this is an amazing statement right here. He says God's grace wasn't in vain. Did you know that you can make the grace of God in vain, or you could void it. Look at this passage over here in Galatians chapter 2, and in verse uh, 20 is the familiar passage where Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You can make the death, the atonement of Jesus void, vain in your life if you are thinking that somehow or another you deserve all of these blessings of God. And I'm telling you, by and large, this is what the religious church is teaching today. That yes, God has all of these things, but you've got to earn it. You've got to go to church. You've got to pay your tithes. You've got to live holy. You can't dip or cuss or chew or go with those that do. You're going to have to quit this. You're going to have to start doing this. And they put you on this treadmill of religious works that you are doing, and you can't ever take a break. You can't ever rest. You have to just constantly be doing things. And if there is the slightest failure in you, God won't answer your prayer because you've done something wrong. I'm telling you, that is not correct at all. And by doing that, having that attitude, it voids. It makes the grace of God in vain. And this is what Paul is referring to. He says, um, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. What makes the grace of God in vain? Your trust in your own religious works, your goodness. You coming before God and saying, God, I fasted, I've prayed, I've paid my tithes, I go to church, I do this, this, and this. Now, you have to move in my life. 
You void the grace of God when you do that. That's amazing. So he goes on to say, This grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You know, this sounds contradictory. He's just made all of these points that I'm not even worthy to be an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace isn't in vain. And if you put this together with those same words, the same uh, person, the apostle Paul that wrote that if you are trusting, trying to be justified by your own good works, you have made the death of Christ in vain. You put all of this together. Paul is sitting there saying, it's just the grace of God. It is not my goodness. I haven't deserved this. It is a grace thing, unearned, unmerited favor. And then in the same verse, he turns around and he says, and yet I labored more abundantly than they all. And yet not me. It was the grace of Christ within me. See, some people, it's, they either go to one extreme or the other. And this is the point that I'm trying to get across, that it's not either just totally the grace of God, it's up to the grace of God, or it's up to you and your works. There is a balance between these two. You've got to live in the balance. Here Paul is saying, I'm nothing. I didn't deserve it. I deserve to be judged. I deserve to be killed. And I did not make the grace of God in vain by trusting in my own goodness and coming before God, proclaiming that somehow or another I deserve these things of God. But in the same verse, I labored more abundantly. And see, some people can't reconcile these things. You know, I've, I've ministered on this for decades. And I've come to the conclusion that this just has to be something that comes by revelation. I can't argue a person into grace. I really can't because it's just, I don't know, it's so different than the way that we think naturally. It's so different than the natural mind that it just can't be understood without the Holy Spirit imparting this revelation to you. I really believe that. You know, if, if you didn't believe in healing, I could take scriptures and I could show you so many scriptures that God, it is God's will to heal, that it did not pass away with the apostles. It's still for us today. And I could argue a person into a place to where they, have, they say, I see it. Now, they may still choose not to believe it. They may choose to believe their tradition. But I could make a person see it and they could understand it. I can make a person see that God wants to prosper us uh, financially and bless us. And I can take scriptures and they say, all right, well, I see it. But you know what? I can't do that with grace. I could sit there and just pound grace into a person and they sit there and still can't see it. It's like one of these, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these pictures that has uh, just some kind of a, you know, a, a sh uh, I don't know what you call it. I forgot the name of them. But anyway, that they have some just pattern on there. It's like a geometric pattern and you see this and that's the first thing that you see. But if you stare at it, there is another image inside of it. And if, if you stare at it and look at it a certain way, there's a bird. I've, I remember one with a bird, one with a, a dinosaur in it and stuff like this. But you can't see it on the surface. You have to stare and penetrate and somehow or another this 3D image just jumps out at you. And once you see it, then you can always see it. But there are people that will look at that thing and they just cannot see it. And yet it's right there. Well, that's in a sense the way that this grace and faith is, that 
people just can't see this. They, they hear Paul saying that I didn't make the grace of God in vain. In other words, I didn't work. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. He was not putting any emphasis on his holiness whatsoever. And yet in the same verse, he talked about, I labored more abundantly than they all. And that's how I received these things and saw the power of God. He wasn't trusting in himself. And yet at the same time, he was diligent to the max. He was seeking God. He was laboring in the word. He did more than anybody else. And people, it seems like that they either go to one extreme or the other. If it's God's grace, well, then I'm just going to do nothing. And I'm going to trust that everything will work out and that God will just make it work. Or they get over here and if they understand that I've got to do something, well, they get legalistic about it. But I'm telling you, it's not one or the other. It's a combination of the two. Here's some symptoms that if you could identify these things in your life, I can tell you whether you are over here in this extreme hyper-sovereignty of God or if you are over here in a hyper type of faith where you are just trusting in yourself. If you are into this extreme, wrong sovereignty of God type of thing, it leads to passivity. You don't have any motivation. There's no reason for you to do anything. It's just totally up to God. And so you're just walking through life, just trusting fate that things are just automatically going to work out. When you encounter a problem, you don't take authority you don't feel any boldness and authority. You don't feel like you have any control over anything and you just throw a prayer out, God, if it's your will, heal me. God, if it's your will, turn this marriage around and save it. And you just throw it out and then you're just waiting on God and you're just sitting here wanting to see what God's going to do. Those are symptoms of a person who has overemphasized grace who has gone to an extreme sovereignty of God and you don't understand that God by grace has provided things, but you've got to respond. So those are symptoms of that problem. On the other hand, a person who's into faith and a hyper type of faith where they don't understand that faith doesn't move God. It doesn't make God do anything. It only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. Symptoms of a wrong use of faith to where it puts all the burden upon you is guilt and condemnation. If you feel unworthy and if you live a life of con condemned and it's just always, oh God, I failed you again. God, I'm never good enough. Then you have overemphasized faith. Faith is important, but faith doesn't make God move and do anything. God, by grace, His unearned, unmerited favor has already provided everything. So if you're guilty, if you're condemned, if you feel unworthy, if you're worn out, if you feel like you're on a treadmill and you are tired and you need to rest, but you can't stop, if you just stop for a second, you're going to lose all of your momentum and everything's going to fall apart. If you are insecure and you don't have confidence about the future, you don't have boldness, it's because you have taken too much responsibility on your own shoulders. You are bearing the responsibility thinking you have to do this and this and this to make God move. Man, I pray that you're understanding what I'm talking about. Some of the benefits of putting grace and faith into their proper balance and combining them properly. Like in my life, I'm, I'm not saying I've got this all figured out. I'm not saying I'm doing it perfectly, but I am saying that 
I may not have arrived, but I've left. Praise God. I am seeing the benefits of this in my life. And I've got a lot of things right now that God is leading me to do. Things that are big things. And yet I am absolutely at peace. You know, when you are resting in the Lord, there is just a peace. There is a confidence. And even if I mess up, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of uh, building this campus up in Woodland Park and it's a many, many hundreds of millions of dollars campus and I'm doing it debt free. And there is a lot of things that could happen. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. And you know what? I could be up at night worrying about, oh God, how am I going to do this? Where is this going to come from? And all of these kind of things. And yet I can sleep good at night. I don't ever worry about that. I don't pray and beg God for finances, even though I need hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't ever pray and, and ask God to give me finances because I believe that God by grace has already made the provision for anything He is leading me to do. So what I do is pray and make sure that I'm doing what God tells me to do. I maintain my relationship with God. I'm diligent. See, I'm not over here just to the point, well, it's God and it's all going to work out. And so I'm out here and I'm not seeking God. I'm not listening to God. I'm not following God. That's not it. If I do that, I guarantee you it would be a train wreck waiting to happen. But on the other hand, I'm not over here and, oh God, I've got, you've told me to do this. Now I've got to get it done. How am I going to do this? Oh God, help me. And oh, see, I'm not doing that either. I'm resting in God's grace. Faith is an I don't know how to say this properly, but faith is an active rest. That, that doesn't even sound like it. It sounds contradictory. If you're resting, how can you be active? You have to labor to enter into this rest. Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it's around verse 11, says you have to labor to enter into this rest. It takes effort. It takes studying the Word and praying and building myself up, speaking in tongues and doing things to get me to a place to where I can just throw my care over on the Lord and not take responsibility upon myself to get these things done. Man, that's powerful. And so these are some of the symptoms of people who are living in the proper balance of grace and faith, that there is a rest. There is a confidence. There's a security. I know that even if I mess up, you know what? I've messed up a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. And yet God has still blessed me. God is still using me. God is touching people through me. And I am confident in God and in His grace, not in my performance. But does that make me passive? Does that make me to where I have no motivation to seek the Lord? No, I know that I have to labor in the Word. I have to stay focused on God in order to rest like that in God. Praise God. Like I said earlier, I, I can't argue you into this. It just has to come by revelation. I pray that God is opening up your heart and helping you to understand what He's done by grace and how you should respond in faith and to mix those things together in the proper amounts. Welcome to the AWM Minute, a small glimpse on how your partnership with Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College is setting people free. People like Johnny Rhodes, who after 30 years of addiction was told he would never be set free. I was in and out of 15 drug and alcohol treatment facilities and saw countless psychiatrists, psychologists, 
I had several counselors tell me that I would never be free from addiction. Encountering the grace and love of God set me free. My marriage is restored. I'm restored. We have purpose, and none of that would have happened if we were not able to come here. I can't thank the partners enough. Because of your partnership, Karis Bible College is a place where people can come and find freedom. Today, Johnny's life has been completely transformed. To see the full Grace Encounter, go to awmi.net today. I'd like to invite you to come to our campus days. We'll have all of our instructors ministering. We will have fellowship time together. There'll be questions and answers. And it's an opportunity for you to just come check out not only the spiritual things, but the facilities here. We have one of the most beautiful campuses in the world. If you can't relate to God and find God through the surroundings, then the Word that we share will definitely bring you to another level. It'll be an awesome time right here in Woodland Park. Thanks to the support of our friends and partners, Karis Bible College is able to reach more people with the gospel than ever before through the continued expansion of our Phase II building project. For the latest information on the Phase II construction update, go to awmi.net. I would really like to encourage you to get this teaching on living in the balance of grace and faith. I think this really just summarizes the position that God has given me in the body of Christ. It seems like you have people that are either into faith or into grace, but very seldom are the two combined, and this teaching would transform your life. I've got a book in English. I've got one in Spanish. We have a study guide here that is the same material. It's just reformatted so that you can disciple other people. You can print out the questions in here. And then we have a CD set of this exact same teaching. And then I have two different DVDs to offer you, one that was taken from our television program and the other one was taken live from one of my uh, meetings that I've held. So please listen to our announcer, respond today, and get this material on living in the balance of grace and faith. Andrew's teaching titled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith, is available as a live teaching on either CD or DVD, or in a DVD set as seen on TV. You can also get this teaching as a book or study guide in either English or Spanish. Or you can get the Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album, the book and the study guide. This package has a catalog value of $85, but you can get it today for only $60. Also, today's individual audio CD is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can order resources or become a Grace Partner through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. If you'd like to write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Praise the Lord, we've got a special treat coming for you. John Tesh is coming to the sanctuary in Woodland Park for a one-night concert. John and his wife Connie have become great friends of ours. He has been transformed by the Word of God. 
And of course, he's performed all over the world. He's very well known. And this is going to be a one night only concert on April the 25th at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. Join us for a great time.